Okay, Wednesday the 15th of August. Um, you could almost uh, call this one a long obedience in the same direction, which um, the Lord sort of drew my attention to this morning when I was... Um, we're still looking at the fruit of the Spirit and we're looking at the fruit of love. But the scripture that I couldn't get away from this morning was uh, John 14:15, which... Um, is if you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And that's why I felt we had to play that about the... the, the it's, it's all dependent really on how you came in to Christianity. Amplified says, if you really love me, you will keep, obey my commands. Obedience comes out of a love relationship, otherwise it's legalism. So that's why the Lord is always after captivating our hearts. Um, that's why it's not so difficult for people who came in like I came in, like the woman who anointed his feet, washed her, his feet with her tears and, and dried them with his, her hair and then anointed him with the oil. It's not so difficult for someone like me that's come in um, knowing, as they were reminding us on the CD, what he's done for us and what we owe. Um, because so often we come from the place of what I'm owed and not what we owe. Um, so it's good to be focused back on the fact that it's how much he's done for us when we knew nothing about it while we were yet sinners Christ died for us so it's if perhaps you will, perhaps you won't, wishful mode those who have listened to Roger Price know about his ifs perhaps you will, perhaps you won't, I wish you would um, if these children are yours, and they are <laughs> keep them under control and if and it is, that's it. We don't get that nuance in the English language, but there are actually four, in the Greek, there's four, four different modes of if. Um, and uh, this is if, perhaps you will, perhaps you won't. If you keep my commandments, if you love me, uh, you will keep my commandments, because it, it follows, and it's not a legalistic thing. It's got to be an affair of the heart. And the more that you go into the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of God, the more you know what He is like. I mean, it's obvious to some people that the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God, but it wasn't obvious to me. The penny dropped a, a, just a few weeks ago that the fruit of the Spirit is who Jesus is. And so that's what God is doing, is working the character of Jesus into us through all the things that happen to us. It just gave me a little sudden flurry of something this morning. So I'll just sort of toddle the way through it. I'm not sure if I said it on Saturday. Probably not. It was another time. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Um, and God is actually about putting steel into our backbone. Um... And he does that by the circumstances and things that we come up against in our lives. Um, he said, um, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
uh, for I've overcome the world, something that he spoke to me about again at the beginning of the week, which was just amazing, because by a circuitous route, I came round to Joshua. I think it's Joshua 1, which is a scripture that I've uh, had many, many times. Um, in fact, there was a time when I spent three months in Joshua 1, um, verses 1 to 9, because he just kept me in there. I'll read it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Do you remember about the Jordan on Saturday? You and all this people, go to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. If you ever have a look at the size of the amount of land that was given to Israel and still belongs to them, because God is the great territorial spirit, you'd be amazed. It goes from the Euphrates, which is over there, right to the Mediterranean, which is that side. That's that huge swathe of land that's currently occupied by all sorts of people. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So it's a joke, really, the fight that goes on over Israel. It's because the, the enemy knows what God has said and he's trying to make God a liar. He's trying to get rest the land away, but it won't happen. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But the next bit is the bit that he actually spoke to me about earlier in the week. Be strong and have a good courage for this people. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to give to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous <laughs> that you may observe to do according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Like Graham says, Nevertheless, I will be with you. Thank you, Father. <laughs> I think, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Another thing I wanted to say is that love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. Loving God is not a warm fuzzy. You show that you love him by, as he tells you to do things and you read things in his words, you come into alignment with that. You can't sort of, you know, pick and choose about what you're going to believe because otherwise you might believe one, uh, John 3.16 this week and not believe it next week. So you're going in and out of your salvation. Do you know what I mean? You can't just pick out the bits that you want but that's not being legalistic it's when he says I'd like you to do this you say yes sir John uh, uh, Derek, oh, no, get it right Roger Price says uh, when the end of the end times comes and, and the Lord says to the son do your stuff you know with all the sunspots and things the son will just say yes sir and do it I mean it's amazing to me and do what he's told to do which bit first? 
there's, there was I tried to find it this morning and I couldn't and I've told the story of it probably sometimes some of you will know it it's called Pulling the King's Carriage and it was a vision that was given to someone years ago and the vision was of the this beautiful coach this carriage and six or eight horses you know really done up with their plumes and their bells and everything all standing there and the driver of the coach got down um, and got between the wheels and the back feet of these horses and he's laying there fiddling with the linkage and the horses didn't move a muscle not a plume moved you know horses normally will stand there like this nodding their heads and pulling and just absolutely stationary not a bell tinkled nothing and when he finished fiddling around because he could have been killed if they'd moved it the carriage would have just rolled over him he got back up sat in the driving seat picked up the reins and with a quiet word of command they all moved off and then the picture changed and this man saw two colts dashing around in a field there young horses untrained yet bouncing about and out comes the master with the head collar and he gets the first one and takes him into the like the school up there and starts putting him through his paces. Then he goes to get the second one, and the second one don't fancy the look of that. Don't want to do that. Don't want to go round and round going over Cavaletti, which are little poles that, if you, anybody who's ridden, you get they're long uh, red and white poles. Uh, they're put, I suppose, about six feet apart, and it's done to get the horse to pick its feet up. Because if it so that it will do a good high step when it trots, so that it misses, otherwise it catches the butt. And so, Cavaletti. So he looked at this. Oh, that's not for me. I'm going over the fence. So he takes a running jump, and the master just watches him and says, "Okay." And goes back to training the other one, who goes round and round and round and round on one leg, then the other, till he's nicely trained. And the years go on and this, this horse is sleek, he's well trained, he goes at the command of the master, it's just a, an obedient horse, just doing everything the master asked him to do. And then the scene changed again and the ground outside of the place where the master was got brown and dried up and no food for horses and suddenly coming up the road comes the up the colt that had jumped the fence looking very bedraggled and thin and scraggy and scrawny and he comes up to the other one who's in the field all lovely and sleek and shiny and he says to him how come is it you got you know you're looking like you look and I look like I look and the one inside said well I'm fed every day at the master's hand and the parable, of course, is that if you will stay under the discipline of God, you will be fed, you will be sleek, you will be obedient, you will come into everything. If you decide to hop over the fence and do your own thing, then, you know, it's like coming out from under that umbrella of care. Uh, if you can imagine that the, the, the uh, care of God is like an umbrella over you, and you suddenly decide, well, I'm going to go over there, and you step out there, you're going to get wet because you've moved out from under his his protection he who abides in the secret place of the most high shall no, who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the almighty good place to stay until he if he sends you out he goes with you if you go out on your own um, 
he'll, he'll bring you back, but you will find yourself in a wilderness experience. So for me, obedience is, is not an option. It's got to be because it, um, I know which side my bread's buttered. I was looking at something this morning which I found very interesting and we'll maybe come to it a bit later on. I was, um, it's good old Bob Mumford and the Beatitudes. Uh, you know, is it your Beatitude? No, it's not your Beatitude, is it? That's causing the stink around here. That's <laughs> another one. Um, and the scripture I was looking at particularly was Mark 9, 38 to 40. This is an interesting one. You can find it, I think, as well in Matthew and Luke as well, but this is the one. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who doesn't follow us casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he doesn't follow us. Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for anyone who works a miracle in my name can soon after... Can no one who works a miracle in my name can so soon afterwards speak and speak evil of, of me. Now that isn't exactly the one that I wanted. The one I wanted was, I didn't look this up before I came, is the one where he says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, you know that one? Matthew 18, 1. Got the wrong scripture reference here. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Lost it. Anyway, the one I wanted, if anyone can find it, scramble about while I'm going on, is the one um, about the, the, the fact that he says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, and he says, Lord, they've, they've cast out demons, they've done miracles, they've done this and they've done that. Um, and he says, not everyone who does these things, that calls me Lord, um, will actually enter the kingdom of heaven and what he's apparently saying there is that you if if you want to go your own way don't call me lord so that you can see miracle working ministries you can see big name ministries and the signs are following them um, but they're not necessarily walking a close walk with the lord and it is the intimate relationship See, they're, they're actually gone more for the power signs than they have for the intimacy. And so the snare is there that you get stuck in the power signs and lose the intimacy. And he's saying, I wasn't Lord. The signs were following, but you didn't have an intimate relationship. And he says, uh, away from me, I never knew you. That is the intimate relationship between man and wife. It is that intimacy that they never had. So out of that intimacy, always everything flows. I'm sorry, I got the wrong um, scripture reference there. I'll find the right one in a minute. So going back to the pull in the king's carriage, the choices come um, when we're in under a place of pressure. And will we stand or go under? Only only you get to decide whether we will you stand. Um, What's his name? Um, oh, Rick Joyner was a pilot 
and, and he was such a good pilot, he used to train other pilots. And one of the things that they used, they used to have a, you know, checklist. When they were flying, they had to check everything off as they were going. And one of the things was never fly into a storm. That was one of the instructions for teaching a pilot. But when you do, <laughs> because of course you do, you fly into storms because you're up there and then suddenly you hit a storm. Uh, so you can't turn around and go back. You have to keep going. And when you hit a storm, keep going straight. Don't lose your nerve because you, your, t your tendency, your temptation is to turn to one way or the other. If you do that, you'll just keep going round in the storm. So what you need to do is to keep your course set and come out the other side of the storm. Uh, so you keep going straight and a long obedience in the same direction is exactly the same thing you just keep going straight and the Lord reminded me this morning of that I think it was a dream that I had of um, I, I, the first picture I had was I was in in the dream but I was watching it as well and it was a small field and the corn was all laid down like that right the way across the field and I've got this little watering can and I was in a long dress and I was walking up and down the field just watering at the roots this corn that was laid down and then suddenly I, my attention was attracted to the left and there were two great plumes of black smoke going um, horizontally along there and while I'm still figuring that out I, I suddenly looked to my side there and there was this wall of fire coming towards me I'm thinking this is not a good place to be and while I'm that these great balls of fire came bouncing across the field at me and they were huge I mean the size of this room and by this time I'm under a stook of dry corn and it's up over here like this and I'm thinking if that touches that I'm a crisp and, and I could remember saying I'm not going to run, I'm going to stand. I could see the fire coming and this thing bounced straight over my head. So I turned to look to see where it had gone. Uh, see, all four compass points I was actually turning to. And there was a green hill to my right. And in ranks up on this green hill were youngsters and they were all standing there like this in a, in a position of victory. You know, legs apart, arms up like this in this absolute position of praise. And the dream ended. So one thing I knew out of that was when the storm came, God was going to make me stand. Um, you know, the steel, uh, pulling it, tensing it. Actually, when Joyce was praying for me this morning, we're both very tired. And I had a bad night last night and, and I, I felt like a piece of chewed string. And Joyce was praying for me, and I heard the Lord say, "I'm tensing the tensing the steel again." Is it what do they call the word when they test it and pull it to its breaking strain? Each time it will take a heavier weight. That's tensile. That was the word. Yes, that's it. So he he's he's, he's each time I'm pushed to the limit, but next time. It will, I will be stronger when the same situations come along to me. Um, so, you know, it's all a, a part of another, another picture coming back to me. What he used to show me, oh, times I had this, in a blacksmith's shop with a um, 
horseshoe, black horseshoe, plunged it into the fire, red hot, straight out, tap, 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 while it was hot, plunged it into the bucket, and this kept going on and up, I know what that is. <laughs> Trials will come in the world you will have. So you, you get to choose really whether you're going to stand and grow in it or run like the, the, the pony did and go over the fence. You know, because at the end of the day, it's again, it's inheritance it's all about. How much we will come into in this life because there is an inheritance to enjoy here. Um, righteousness, peace and joy, as we've said before, go out the window when you find yourself walking out a step with the Lord. And the Christian walk is progressive, it isn't stagnant. So he's driving steel into our soul and if you're like me, I don't like the process. I'm not enjoying it, but I know that if I want my house built on the rock and not on the sand, which is incidentally a parable for the believer, not the unbeliever, uh, that when the storms come, I want my house to stand. I don't want it to be washed away. Um, that's part of the building code, building on the, on the rock and not on the sands. Then the demands are made on that house, and that's us. It's like James, you know, don't just be hearers, but be doers of the word. And that does not mean go out and start doing good works. It means be doers of what you see that God is saying to you in the word of God, do it. You know, if he's quickening to you to do something, then we know when he's speaking to us. Because when he asks us to do something, he gives grace to do it. And that is the empowerment of God. When he asks you, he'll give you the power to do it. He enables. That's all there is to it. We, in the natural, you could look at it and say, I can't do that, Graham said, didn't he? Calls you to do the impossible, which he surely does, because only he can do it. I can't do this. Well, you do the bit you can do. We were talking to um, Mick this morning, and I, I said to him, God's saying, just, just do your exercises. <laughs> and he said, what's that? I said, that's your exercise. It's <laughs> all you need to do. That's your bit. That really is all you've got to do. No. <laughs> Not that. That. <laughs> and he does the supernatural. Because in doing that, your will is engaging. It come behind that and, and he will in, ensure that the thing gets done. So, don't... When God starts building a life, we know when we get born again, he always begins with the foundations, needless to say. And we wondered, didn't we, about the size of the foundations that this guy put in down here? But if we looked at it as a parallel to what God is actually wanting to do in Oasis, the foundations are relevant to the size of the building that he's going to put on the top take the weight. So when he wants to build, with your permission of course, he will dig a, a big foundation. If you only fancy a prefab or a one bedroom cottage, then your foundations haven't got to go in so far. But if you say to the Lord, I'm up for it all. Just whatever you say, I want it. 
down will go the foundations, out will come all the dirt and the muck, in will go the pile driver and you'll be wincing every time it goes uh, because he could be building four storeys before you even get to ground level. Let it go up from there. But he goes down in direct proportion to the size of the building he wants to build. So I thought about that, wondered about those foundations and, and I wondered about, the, well I didn't wonder too much, it's just that he spoke to me when we were listening to that or as I was in prayer or something and I said oh, I want to save that for a minute and he said no share it. The crop that we've had disproportionate to the size of the tree and I could conjecture that he's saying that's your fruitfulness without you realising it. I mean it's a weedy little tree half of it's missing because there was a, another tree there that cut out its ability to grow, didn't it? So, in the natural, it shouldn't be shed in that many green cages. <laughs> We've had pounds of them. And there's still more out there now, I know, on the floor, grubbing about after them. So sometimes he comes in and um, if he cuts your hamburger in half. Do you remember that one the other day? <coughs> he just... Uh, and comes in and slices your hamburger in half. But when he wants such a deep foundation, it means he's got big plans, and you get to choose whether you're going to pull the king's carriage or whether you're going to, when the ground dries up, be out there starving, really. But it's all choices all the time. He doesn't, he doesn't push us. He'll let us settle for what we want. He says... If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, when the choice comes, if you love me, when I challenge you with a different lifestyle, if you love me, you'll want to change. If we don't love him, but we want to, then we say, Father, I want to do this thing, but I haven't got it. And he's delighted to give it to you. As I said, you know, I've been so blessed by the way that I came into Christianity because I came like the woman there um, and I knew how much I was forgiven uh, and that has never left me and whenever I hear anything like that I'm right back to the moment that I got saved and how, how much I was forgiven because I knew I was a sinner um, if you come in on an intellectual religious belief system you never understand your own sinfulness and therefore you don't understand what he's done or what he's given you. It's, you know, I would that everybody came in the way I did because it's, 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 you just know what he's done for you. So, the other thing, and I didn't want to go too far this morning, mainly because I probably couldn't go to I really wanted to reinforce the fact that when tests come, you will have them and he's driving steel into our soul. We need to know who's doing what to whom. I mean, I'm always saying this. I hear constantly in the church, oh, the devil's doing this, and the devil's done that, and the devil's got to do Have you ever considered that it could be God? Actually, it's not the devil at all, all the church, everybody's leaving the church. It's not the devil, it's God, it's moving people. The devil could sue for uh, defamation of character half the time with a Christian because we blame him for things he ain't doing. But we don't see the things he is doing. That, that it's, it's, just gets all the way around because 
for the believer nothing can come at you except God allows it so if he's allowing the enemy to have a little poke in your life then he has a purpose for it and it will be to strengthen you spiritually to cause you to stand he'll something me something and cause me to stand upheld by his righteous omnipotent hand what a no what you saints of the Lord is so like what a wonderful inheritance you saints of the Lord is laid up for you in his glorious work oh, it's, it's an old hymn um, so don't blame the devil when it's God at work in your life God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power so your first question is am I reaping what I've sown here that happens sometimes is this you is this the devil are you nailing something or is this the cross we need to find out who's doing what to whom and then we can align ourselves appropriately um, but the devil's there to strengthen us spiritually this is why he never wins we're in a win-win situation we cannot lose people are there to grow you in grace so if there's someone getting right up your left nostril right now they're there so that the love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, fruit of the Spirit may come forth in your life, not fivefold ministry, which will probably come forth first. Because <laughs> that's the way we are, aren't we? So he allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power, and maybe he's helping himself, as I said, your hamburger. Do you remember that one where the father had the, bought the hamburger for the little boy? and uh, then leant over and cut it in half and the little boy absolutely had a fit <laughs> but God does that he comes in if you said somewhere Lord help yourself to my life he will do that and he comes in and cuts your hamburger in half and suddenly you've got half what you thought you had because he said well you told me I could help myself but he, it's all to do with us volunteering it and it's all to do with us getting to know who he is because we're born like with suspicion about God's motives because we put on God what's the motives of the other fella that's what happens because we're born with the Adamic nature we're born suspicious where's the small print you know how much is this going to cost me well everything but that's okay because he gave it you in the first place so you're only giving him back what he gave you in the first place and that, that's, that's the one about um, stewardship or ownership. Well, we're hanging on to something. You know, it's, it's a crippling thing trying to hang on to something. When Joyce won't mind me telling you this, when she first came down here, she had uh, problems with her wrists and she couldn't figure out what it was. Um, and, and she was incapacitated, not here when we were at the flat. And God said, You're just hanging on so tight to everything you've got. <laughs> was causing pains in the spirit she was holding on to what she'd left behind and so he was showing her physically what it was you know we'll often get a, a physical thing just to show us um, what it is not because he's cruel or anything but it's a it's a good lesson it's an object lesson for us you know he likes visual aids like I liked rabbit look he's, he's just done over with himself he is 
Yeah, he said he would go back on uh, on door duty. He'd never complain again, you know, when he got back after that. He found that very trying to be on show like that. He was very nervous. But Joyce has elevated him to the back of the sofa, but he's looking longingly at the door. He'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. <laughs> I think that's it um, if you love me you will keep my commandments um, and it's a progressive walk into the heart of God and actually making the choice to believe that he is who he says he is and he does actually mean good for you he is not a withholding God but because we are conditioned by our fallen nature to want to be in control of everything, know the end from the beginning, we can't step out into what we don't understand. So we, faith in a way is blind, because it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that we don't see. So we're saying, by faith, you know, I'm receiving that. I've got this lump on the back of my neck, that God has said he will heal. One of these mornings I'm going to wake up and it's going to be gone. That's where I stand. From time to time I get completely caught up in it. It gives me no problem at all, but it is unsightly. Um, and uh, so naturally, uh, you know, you, you're conscious of the thing. Um, Every time I get aware of it, he says, you just have to wait a bit longer then, won't you? Because you've not learnt the lesson that you're walking by faith, not by sight. And try hard. Have I done it enough now? Can I have it now? <laughs> it's that, I'll finish with this. It's that lovely story of um, the lady in Smith Wigglesworth's uh, ministry. She had a goiter, you know, they were very common, particularly in some parts of Wales, weren't they? Particular area of Wales, something to do with iodine lack or something and this goiter if you don't know what it is it's like a growth under the chin here off the thyroid and she had this huge thing she went to Smith's uh, meeting and he prayed for her and she right I'm healed but there was no manifestation of it she goes home to her mum and dad and says isn't it wonderful I'm healed so they look at her a bit cockled and she goes on like this on and on isn't it so wonderful so a year later her mother says to her look darling you're living in cloud cuckoo land. Go and have a look in the mirror. It's still there. So she goes up to her bedroom. She falls on her knees and she says to the Lord, I know you've healed it, Lord, but they don't know it. Would you show them? Next morning, it's gone. <laughs> I know you've healed it, God. I'm, I'm getting to the place where I know you've healed it. I'm not there yet, but I will get there. Until I get there, it won't go, if you see what I mean. <laughs> But I suppose what I'm saying is that your life is encapsulated by the love of God. Absolutely nothing can come at you. Even if you make the crassest, stupidest choices, he's still got you. As Graham said, he will never change the way he feels towards you. He just never will. And that in, is enough to break your heart. The very fact that Graham had a dream one night where he was taken back into a time when he was being deliberately doing naughty things. They didn't say what they were, 
but he's doing these things and in this dream there he is in the middle of this sinful behavior whatever it was and he said jesus being the absolute master of stage management walks in and fr everything's free frozen like and he's sat there right in the middle thinking not right now please <laughs> don't come and catch me in this now whatever it was he was doing and Jesus walked over to him and he said Gray it wasn't what you were doing that upset me it was the fact that you didn't know who I wanted to be for you in it that is the heart of God he wanted to be something for him in that business that whatever it was he was doing so whatever it is he what that's what Graham was saying who he is for you it's individual who he wants to be for you there is an area and a facet of himself that he will be wanting to show you right now it's yours he wants to show you it so whatever pickle you're in whatever difficulty whatever mountain is facing you whatever besetting sin you've got I want to be something for you in it and that something is yours and that something will transform your relationship with him because he doesn't come up and start doing this he comes up and does that puts his arm around us and says let me help you so it's always a case of running towards him never because the enemy will get you to run away from him run away from the one place where you can get your needs met doesn't matter how much you've got dirty shoes and socks that's another picture of when I was very very young Christian I've got this lovely picture of, in my day that little patent leather black shoes and white ankle socks were the in thing you know and there was this the socks had been gone in a puddle a black dirty puddle and the shoes were all messed up and God the Father was on his knees taking off these shoes and socks and putting on clean white socks and shoes because the puddle had messed up the shoes and the socks it doesn't matter where you are he wants to be something for you and then you can't help loving him and you're anxious for him to tell you to do something so that you can show him you want to obey that's the way it works therefore I will allure her and speak tenderly to her speak comfort to her heart that is he speaks comfort to our hearts and then like me and when, I, when um, I've moved house and got a week left I'm laying in the bath there thinking I wonder what I'm going to do with this week and I said oh Lord I love you so much I'll do anything you say and he said give up smoking ah! <laughs> <laughs> what now? yeah can I have those two days? no See, gets you to the place where you're absolutely soppy with allowing him and then says now I'll have this 
and I'm drying my toes. I can remember it now. And I'm thinking, I'll never do it. I can't touch it. Can't do it. And he said, Yes, you will. Every time you want a cigarette, pray in tongues. Every time I wanted a cigarette, I prayed in tongues. I never had a fag from that day to this. Praise his name. Asked me to do something, gave me the tool to do it. So it may be as simple as that, you know, that he's asking you, that's all you've got to do, is that? No. <laughs> but the test will come. You know, people used to offer me a fag and I'd say, the hand would go out, whoop. Oh, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Have you ever found your hands have got a will of their own? <laughs> well, they come to the biscuits in. Right. So first of all, you see, he shows you who he is, and then you, you melt. You can't help it. And then he says, no, I'd like this. Can I tell him no? No, I can't tell him no. <laughs> He's just knocked my legs from under me. Okay, and we shall be like people who's built on the rock, not on the sand. So just this morning that I realised that that parable wasn't for the unbeliever. <laughs> yeah, which one you found? Oh, is that it? Luke. I don't know where I got Mark from there. I sort of the. Um, yes, it is and it isn't. It's that one. Um, no, it's that one where it says, "In my name, they've cast oh. out demons. They've done all these things." But somehow or other, I've got completely the wrong uh, script. Oh, that was the one. It's always, you know, it says, "Depart from me, I never knew you," and and people say, "Well, how did they do all these things?" That's it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Um, and really, that when it talks about the kingdom, it's the reign and rule of Jesus within. If he isn't Lord, he can't have his kingdom is not come within you. It, it, and he says, Lord, Lord, but you haven't actually made him Lord. Joyce has got a gun ready. She's shooting to me. <laughs> Uh, and we were saying last night she said if you went into the nationwide with that she said they'd, they'd think you meant it <laughs> not if I went like that and it drops like that <laughs> up with your sticks this is a handhold right stick up your no up with your sticks this is a handhold I'll give us some money <laughs> an old radio show again coming out the best ones of the that's it. Hold hands. This is an upstick. Thank you so much. <laughs> That'll give us the money. Who was it? <laughs> Kenneth Williams. Oh, yeah. Oh, round the horn. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a little voice like Kenneth Williams, wasn't it? Oh, give us the money. No. <laughs> no. Why should I? Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Let's see, verse 22 of Matthew 7. I'm back there, thank you very much. Goodness, I'll have a look at why I got that later or not. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders. So you've got the power gifts, the prophecy. But he's saying, really, I wasn't Lord. You went off and did your own thing, like the horse that jumped over the what's it. And the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So don't look at people's giftings. Look at their fruit. What is the fruit in their lives? What happens when you tread on their toe? You know, where's the fruit of the Spirit? That's We're meant to be fruit inspectors. Uh-huh. Gifts, yes, and we can get dazzled with seeing what people can do. Uh, but they're not doing it anyway, it's the Lord. Um, and the Lord will let it roll on. Um, but uh, just be a fruit inspector. So I will declare to them, I never knew you. And again, of course, it goes on, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. And then we come into the wise and the foolish. There. Anyway, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, just let the words sink deep down into our ears. Father, whatever it is we need you to hear, it's, a, it's all about your goodness, your kindness, your love, your gentleness, your faithfulness. That that's who you are, faithful God. Father, thank you that it's through the circumstances of life that we find out about who you really are for us. So my prayer is, Father, that you show every person in this room what you want to be for them right now. What it is you want to be for them. Father, let them see you looking at them with such love. You're not on your own in this, kid. This is what I want to be for you in this. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.